Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 513 of the JV Club with my phenomenal guest, Kate Mullen. Kate is someone I have known almost since the inception of this podcast. And like Chris Royce, who runs our uh, JV Club Facebook and Twitter, this is a listener who became a fast friend and has really inspired me so much over the years. And it's just an all-around fantastic person. They are a teaching artist and an activist and an incredible writer and super funny and warm and great person. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Cannot wait for you to hear it. So here it is. this alarm's going to go off. This will be, this is a fun, uh, unique treat. I really hope I don't have COVID. Let me be very clear on that. Um, I hope you don't too. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I don't think it's possible because Brandon, I mean, I guess it's always possible, but Brandon did have some sort of very mild version of it like two and a half, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I kept testing and I just, I didn't get it, even though I had like mild symptoms for like a day. And then I just didn't, didn't get it, felt completely fine, never tested positive. So I feel like I was just exposed to it, like in my home a lot. Yeah. So the idea, but, unless, but I guess it could be a different strain. Anyway, maybe I'm just tired. You know what? I might just whenever, be tired. Whenever it does come for me that both my parents, when they separately had it, were just like, well, we have COVID. And we're just like open mouth coughing around the home while I <laughs> ran with 15 masks on and an air purifier going in my room and was like, gotta get dinner. But um, wherever it does come from, it is going to be rude. But so far, resilient. Yeah. 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 Wait, have you not gotten it at all? Nope. Damn. You might be one of those people. Not one time. I might be oh, one of those people. Great. But who knows? We'll never know. I mean, no time that I know of, at least. Right. But, right. But yeah, I did get RSV, a cold, and strep right in a row in January. <laughs> I remember you had after yeah, nothing. Yeah, after thing. nothing for three years. So I was like, I guess yeah. I'm passing away. Like, I guess, I guess I'm passing away. <laughs> but true, it was just like, why would why were we doing this? I was like, I used to go to work like this. I used yeah. to sell people hats to their face or like baked goods to uh-huh. their face, looking like this and sounding like this. And why were we doing it? it wasn't a good time for me. Couldn't have been a good time for them. Uh-huh. Like, Am I passing away? I yeah, really am I passing enjoy, away? I enjoy that. I don't know if I've heard that term as a present tense speculation. Um, it's very satisfying. I yeah, might be passing Good. away. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so thank truly you for that. was like, well, there's I'm the one in this home taking care of it, so I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, taking care of it, taking care of people, uh, in addition to yourself. You have had uh, a very interesting journey uh, the last few years. Many of us have. You have had um, you've had an interesting one up in San Francisco. Is it pronounced San Francisco? That's correct. That okay, is good. the good, formal good, good, pronunciation. Great, great, great. Um, I got to tell you something that I. You know what? I'm I'm too afraid to say it. I can't say it. I Uh-oh. am going to say it. Do it. I I did. <laughs> I mean, I just have these sort of, at best, I would say they're like Phoebe Buffet moments, but 
Um, I feel like I have a lot of like, I think I love high low comedy. I know you do too. I, my highest compliment is like a smart person doing something and me being like, that's so stupid while I laugh. I feel like that's, you know, like uh, that is a great combo for me Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. on the level of enjoyment. And I feel like at best, maybe my brain is like that where I will expend a lot of brain energy on something fairly complex or like emotionally like very mature or, you know, something that's laudable. And then I'll turn around and just do something so stupid and like completely pea brained, like immediately thereafter. And I, I did that in San Francisco while I was up there for Sketchfest. I was like, St. Frank coffee shop. I wonder why it's called that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, or you're just like, la la la. I wonder why Frank or Francisco is in a lot of words. Around. Like, I wonder if it's a, is it related to St. Francis? Oh, the sure name, is. But yeah. Name of the city I lived in and still yeah. in every. So maybe year. a slightly less oh, embarrassing no. degree. I was like 28 when I realized that Harpo Studios was Oprah spelled backwards. Like, it mm-hmm. took a really mm-hmm, long mm-hmm. time. And then it was one of those things where Same. I was turning to everyone and I was like, did you know? And they're like, yeah, we did. We all knew. We all knew. We never told you because we, in our minds, we knew you must know. Yeah. But you I was like, wow, know. I wonder whenever Oprah's going to talk about why she loves the Marx Brothers so much. Like, it truly was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no, no one no, ever asked alone. her. And you'd think it was the first question. You're not alone. I'm yeah. hoping, and dear listeners, if I if this is true... I want if maybe you know what there might be one person for whom they just discovered that because you were bold and brave enough to say you didn't make that connection and now you've helped someone else make that connection and that's what the JV club is all about. Yeah, and listen, if I've done one thing in my 36 years on this earth, right away I'm flexing how young I am. Um, <laughs> but if I've done one thing, it's to get so comfortable with just being like, did you know? And people say, yeah. And it's like, okay. Like, I am really firmly ensconced and like, I might be dumb. Probably yeah. I am. But just like, let's see. Yeah, let's see. I'm generous in my sharing of whether or not I am or not, because that's a way to build community right there. Yeah. That's a way to build community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you and I met um, many, many years ago now. Uh, you were a listener. Uh, you wrote me, uh, I think, probably what was one of many beautiful emails uh, that I responded to. So I don't want to so say, many. like, I got 85 emails and finally responded. I immediately, I spot, responded after number one. So it was a correspondence. It really was. It was not a one-way. And, uh, and in the time that we have known each other, um, you have uh, gone through, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I want to go through a whole, like, if, how, how would you characterize your sort of transition? Well, um, that first email was sent to you by a straight lady for Jesus, and now <laughs> fully the opposite. Uh-huh. <laughs> for Satan. Fully, yeah, I'm a hundred percent in the tank for Satan, and <laughs> I think I've made that very clear. Um, no, yeah, that was truly the beginning. Like, really, I was on the precipice of eight hundred thousand really big and really little changes in my own ass life, and this was one of those things that really kind of just started me looking at that of just like hearing a voice. And then several voices because of guests, too, of like, let's take a look at the things that I maybe haven't 
wanted to make time or my brain wasn't letting me make time because it was not the right time to mm-hmm. look at them. I think it's time to take them out of the drawer and start looking at them really slowly. Um, and so that's what I started doing. And that turned into just a tumbling of comings outs of like from queerness to genderness to like, let's just, let's just get it to just regular emotional intelligence. I mean, that was kind of the first step. It was this weird, funny little, I don't think there's a right order to do any of those things in, but for me, it ended up being a very lucky right order of like, let's take a look at your life and some of the things that you thought were normal and maybe aren't. And you thought you'd figured out, but maybe didn't. And, and so that's what that was. And here we are. And do you feel like there are, there were latent things that were happening under the surface, like being, for example, in San Francisco and like that making sense to you on some level. Like, I guess I'm wondering if you found yourself in a city in which it was easier and perhaps safer on some level to ask those questions, even if you didn't yet know you wanted to ask them. Like, have you have you thought that or was it like I was just going to be in San Francisco no matter what? I think so. But I think there was the almost the double-edged sword of being in San Francisco for the identity things that I had not yet gotten to. And when I started asking those questions, and even right now living as the person that I am, it's I never take for granted that it's 10,000 times safer and easier to be here and doing those things than to be yeah. most other places, particularly right now. But, um, but I think by the same token, there was a little bit of like, well, I've always been here. Wouldn't I know if this was Thank like, you. yeah, I'm so glad you I said know? that because that's what I, I guess that's what I was asking is, is sort of like how, how do our environments both enable and suppress potentially in ways that we don't necessarily can't even necessarily see or that we think we're asking the questions because we're like, well, look, look at what I've. You know, if I'm doing this, this, this and this, then if I were going to also do this and this, it would have happened already. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. And then, again, those stories that we tell about ourselves to ourselves um, can go kind of a long way in a certain direction before we go. Oh, wait. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it was I was never I was never, ever actively thinking about the time that sure, I was born and raised in San Francisco, but I was born and raised in like Catholic San Francisco on in the ocean, like where the part of the city that I'm in is like five miles away from the queerest parts of the city yeah. out in like a very, very Russian, Chinese, Catholic neighborhood. That was great. That's fantastic. Like outer I, sunset? Outer, outer Richmond. Richmond. So like outer right, Richmond, by, yeah. right by Land's End, right by the parks and everything. Yeah. All the super like really pretty parts of the city. And you don't think when you're a kid of like, here's where I am and everyone's neighborhood is different. It's just like, well, we're all having the same experience. So just like, this yeah. is what's up. But it was very removed from some of the culture that would eventually that I would come to recognize as my own. And so when I hit the point where I started, I almost felt like weirdly ashamed when I first came out of like, why didn't I get there faster? And it's so much safer and easier for me to be here. And people in like fully BF nowhere or very dangerous places. We find great ways to beat ourselves. Exactly. Let me punish myself for just the circumstances that I'm in. But it was those were some of the things that started to help me like ease into letting go of those feelings of it's just like you were having a completely different experience than some other people that I ended up being friends with down the line who were like there were gay parents in my school. And it was like we didn't talk about it. 
the one time someone mm. asked a question, it was just like a nun fully was like, we yeah. don't talk about that. And so we did okay. it. So what high school did you go to in San Francisco? The high school that I went to was Sacred Heart Cathedral uh, Preparatory. It is right on the edge of the Tenderloin, like right on Venice, St. Mary's Cathedral. It's used to be an all-girls school and an all-boys school, and they combined. So Cathedral and Sacred Heart became Sacred Heart Cathedral. My dad actually that, went to Sacred Heart. Is that Heart. the one everyone calls the washing machine, or is that a different one? I mean, if people call it that, it's never been to me. <laughs> Oh, you know what? No, I'm th- I'm thinking of the one that's on like Franklin or Goff or whatever. The big concrete one that's like very big, very concrete, very kind of square-ish. I mean, the cathedral's a funny building in and of itself. It's that big. Like, Is it gray? Pointy one. It's like white. It like swoops up. Like this. <laughs> I can't, maybe that is what I'm thinking. You didn't of. Why get, am you I didn't thinking get it from I think no, no. I think that is what it is. But is that on Van Ness or is that is that like a block? It's just up west from Van Ness. of Van Ness. Yeah. Okay, so I am. So I think we. I, I think, think we've that made is it. it. We've yeah. gotten there. It's okay. pretty sprawling. I, there are two different campuses. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has one, a big presence. It has a big physical presence it has a in very that little big pocket presence. right there at the. So it's it's at the edge of the Tenderloin and the edge of of Japantown also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Um, and how and was it co-ed? Yes. Okay. All right. And what, how big was it? Big, but not not big by like a giant not public school high school standards. Big, not like, public yeah. high school big, which is it's funny because I say that I have absolutely no frame of reference. Every school I went to was <laughs> Jesus dot com, but um, uh-huh. <laughs> it there were probably like a couple hundred people in my graduating class. But it was big, okay. and it's interesting because when you're a freshman, and this is actually kind of cool, but all of your lockers are on a separate campus, like what used to be, I think, the all-girls school campus right under the cathedral. Mm. So that's where your lockers were, and but it's not where all your classes were, so you would be traveling back and forth somewhat. But you kind of got a little bit of time in that first year to sort of acclimate yourself to, mm. to being there. And now that's actually after I left, rude, but uh, it's a got a gorgeous new theater. It's now the like visual and performing arts campus. That was something oh, nice. that my old theater director was kind of like her last thing that she spearheaded there before she moved on. Not from this world, but just to- Not from this time. world, moved on from that school. She was like, She's very I'm much alive. Away. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm passing away, so I'm going to establish like, this theater. Maybe this time. But yeah, that's where, and my sister had gone there. So I had kind of, my dad too. So I'd kind of had eyes on like- this is what's up. Oh, I he went to, there. so that was, it was even uh, cross-generational. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, were you also, like, w- were you in school with the same kids as you moved into that school? Were you, were you, was it a bunch of people you already knew coming in from your past schools? No, there were maybe, maybe two or three people tops who I knew who came from grade school, the same grade school that I went to. And that was hard. I was the shyest, shyest kid and went from this kind of was my experience in grade school, high school and college was I started out just like so wound up, didn't know how to talk to people. What even is going to happen? What a terrible mistake I've made in being a person and doing this at all. And then would end like once I got there, it was almost like right as I was about to graduate each time is right when I had just gotten comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, shit. Yeah, that's relatable. Uh oh, my alarm is about to go off. Oh, I'm pausing it. 
Oh, baby, there is zero COVID to be seen here. Yay! Zero COVID. Nobody's got COVID. Man, well, that might have really somebody's changed, got COVID. changed the tenor of this conversation if you were like, well, I now actively have COVID. I know. <laughs> I needed to find Wait, out. I needed to school. find out. I know. I needed to find out because I have... Oh, oh my God. This is so weird. I just got a text from someone else that said I just tested positive for COVID. Not someone I've been with. Uh Completely unrelated. Completely unrelated. Like, in no way related at all. Wow. That's very weird. This is magic. I was having sympathy COVID. You were having sympathy COVID. That's so nice. I do feel like I'm... I I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you had this too, but I do feel like I get like... Unfortunately, my mirror neurons also create situations in which, you know, someone talks about an ailment and I'm like, I also have that right now for the first time because you're telling me about it. Yeah, that's very much my eldest sister, not to drag her, but she's very like we used to the like little smarties that you would get rolled up the candy. Uh-huh. We would call them yeah. hypochondriac pills because my sister uh-huh. was very much like, I guess I have spina bifida. And we were like, no, you just have to like it. <laughs> But can't we put a positive spin on it for me and keep it about empathy instead of just hypochondria? What if hypochondriacs are just deeply empathetic? I could get into that. But part of that is like if you're if you're just spinning it back onto yourself and then making yourself the center of your universe and using that to like sort of propel your fear. I guess that's not necessarily like very selfless or empathetic. Um, But but the key and the cool thing is, is you're not to a person who is actively suffering just like "Mm, i think me too let's talk about that (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's get into that let's get into that um okay and so when and i'm just gonna put this out there so uh when you and i met you were you're like when we met in person you were much more like the person that you've just described to me as being very nervous and like wanting because what, here's why I think, and this is so gross to be like, let me analyze the type of person you were. I'm not, but I but do this it all the time. Please take this. over. No, no. But, okay, here's the thing. It's like I always use myself as comparison because I the universe revolves around me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but just because like that's the, I, to put it into a context so you understand that I'm not like psychoanalyzing you specifically. I'm just talking about like being interested in people and how they respond to the world. If I were as nervous as you seemed to like be around me and talk to me, I just wouldn't have done it at all. Whereas you still were propelled forward by this desire, this like, no, I need to push through this because it's important to me. And it's important for me to have this contact with this person. And that's one of the things that, um, I'm that that I'm so interested in, and that and 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 how much you aren't like that with me at all anymore. Um, and and I just love all of that, and it's been so awesome to sort of see you be in your skin, and you know, in just this a totally different way. Because the person that you are around me in person now is the same person from the email, but the email person was not necessarily showing up. To be with me side by side. It was so in hard. In a room. And, and I just, I, yeah. That's almost everything in my life. And it is a very, it's a lucky thing that I kind of talk about all the time in almost any context of like any, any challenge that was like difficult or that it was a bummer or even when I was trying to girl so hard because I had no idea that there was an alternative for me. 
I never hit a point where it was like, I kept knowing and being frustrated by or nervous about or anxious about how unsuccessful I was and how much like one of these things was not like the other. But it also was like, but I'm not gonna not, I'm not gonna do anything that I don't wanna do or that I don't like to do. So we've really hit an impasse and I don't know what's going to happen of just like, I'm not going to change the stuff that I like or that I'm into and I'm not going to force it real hard in a different direction. Cause it's just, cause I don't want to. So, yeah. so what yeah. are we going to do about it? And that is, it then kind of got shaped into a, like, I feel like I must do this. So I'm going to, but yeah. it's not going to feel great maybe for a while. Yeah. No, but it's so good. I mean, like, that's, you know, you talk about being inspired by other people. And like, I just feel so, you know, that was something that I felt like I wanted to communicate with you early on is like, you're inspiring me back. Like, this is not a one way street, you know? Um, And I'm sure you thought it was because you went to school on a one way street. Listen, a lot of San Francisco is one way. It's one way this, one way that. Peace out. Um, So when you're in high school and it's Jesus.com. Uh, Absolutely. Best BFFs. Loved it. Yeah. So even as a teenager, you're not necessarily immersing yourself in these countercultures that are arguably right around you just in the sense that it's a small city. But you're right. Like the pocket that you choose to be in in San Francisco can also be spectacularly limited if that's what you choose to do. Hence, we have this tiny seven by seven city that has, you know, folks who have immigrated from China who don't speak any English at all, and they're doing great, which is yeah. one of the things I love about it. A um, very so, sweet older lady stopped me when I was walking in the park yesterday to ask me to fix her phone for her, and she only spoke Russian, which, number one... Amazing. <laughs> I was like, how is it I am in a household where I'm helping everyone with their technological devices all the time, and I'm also helping people uh-huh. <laughs> you professionally, have too. Now. And I was just like, I'm never off the, the clock. Like, truly, she just walked up <laughs> as I was, like, looking at a bird or something and was like, it's not working. Can you? <laughs> but we did fix it. Um, See? She knew. She, she knew. knew. What was your day-to-day like? You mentioned that you had, uh, you mentioned that you did have a theater, pro- professor, mm-hmm. teacher, whatever. So you were drawn to the arts you were sort of, would you say that you were looking for, like, were you exploring, like, bumping up against the edges of the culture of your school, finding, because that's, to me, that's kind of what theater represents for a lot of people, right? It's sort of like, I'm in this environment. What's the edgiest, whatever that means to you by edgy, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it's like punk rock. I'm just saying, like, what bumps up the most against the edges of this culture? Um, Does that resonate for you at all? A little bit. First of all, I was very edgy in my classic Starship Enterprise t-shirt, um, but uh-huh. that I changed into for my uniform polo shirt and khakis. We all just look like little businessmen. But um, <laughs> little businessmen for Jesus. But uh, At least you got to wear pants. We did, right? which was a huge step up from K yeah. through 8, which was a jumper and then a <sighs> skirt with a white blouse with a Peter Pan collar and a lipstick red sweater, which as a very Irish person is not flattering. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> that was my grade school uniform. But Oof. the it kind of was a little bit by accident. I don't know that I would have tried out for our truly our first fall show at my freshman. It had been like two months of me being in school. I'm being like, well, I don't know. I don't know. But um, 
I had gone to, in grade school, we had no performing arts at all. So I had played sports. I played volleyball and I played basketball. And I liked them and I still like them, but I was never the kind of hardcore competitive that a person in that way, in that like physical way. Sure. That you would need to be to graduate to the next level. And I was very tall for grade school for being like, and I was one of like two white kids in my class and very tall because it's, I mean, stereotypically most people were very much shorter but so I went from being like five nine I'm a center in basketball to like that's usually for like six foot plus people and then I get to so it's I think my parents were like this is our shot because my other sister's short and the one before that like didn't couldn't have cared but got I think I auditioned for what or auditioned tried out for one sport one passport and it was immediately clear that it just was not going to happen and it, but I had gone for two summers to a performing arts camp, like a really chill, this is about confidence building, not about like training you to be an actor theater Love camp. That. And where was it? That was, uh, it's a company called Kidstock that I actually later on went to oh, work sure. for, for quite some yeah. time. But the session that I went to was in Marin, actually. And it's when I ended, I made lifelong friends there. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then I worked there for forever and ever. But so going oh, there man. and just before I went into high school, having my first like counselor and training moment, I think all of that was turning me toward like, yeah, I think I could audition for a thing. And if it feels terrible, it'll feel bad for five minutes and then I'll do something else. Yeah. But, um, so you. that's, I think, what I was looking for of like, I think I can do this. I think I'm more equipped to do this. And then the director at that time he was only for my freshman year then he moved on to the chorus these are great details but um (laughs) my (laughs) sister's boyfriend at the times old theater teacher so she was like go say hi to him and like say that you know james like do all of these things um but so i did do that and it was like yeah and that's where i that's where i started to find my people in high school yeah. I was still nervous, I was still shy, but I had people to spend time with. And then from there, it was like, here we go. Did you have crushes on? Like, were you da- like redating? Are you no. having crushes? I mean, I, I had. I feel not, like I know the answer to that, but. Not one thought or feeling, which at the time, there was like a very pragmatic voice in my head that was just like, this is high school and you're not going to be dating anyone that you go to high school with because you don't do that television has shown me that you go to college and then something dramatic happens also i thought everyone was gonna be trying to roofing me not one time but um, <laughs> not that i was like party central good to be aware but it was good yeah. to be mindful good to be careful yeah not one time but um <laughs> but no i didn't and that was another thing where it was like i think i'm supposed to but i don't so yeah. So that's that. Like those of everything that I was stressed out about, that was not it. And so what were you stressed out about? Everything else. Of, yeah. <laughs> of just Academics? The... Um... Academics a little bit. I had, I've always kind of had an aptitude for English uh, and language and just like things. Word related things, great. Numbers make me angry. To this yeah. day, they make me so angry. And so that, I had struggles with that. But it was one of those of every one of my math teachers was like, I mean, you come in, you ask for extra help. It makes sense. You leave. It stops making sense to you. And it's you're not phoning it in. So just here you go. 
I don't yeah. know that it's going to get any better than this. Um, that sounds like a real A for effort, even if you, they're, they're like, here's an A for effort. Now, this A is not an actual A. This no. is a C. They're like, it actually <laughs> is a C. Tucked inside there is an A for effort. I, when well, I'd had a really good algebra teacher in like seventh and eighth grade. Me too, who, dude. I got real, I think I got a little too cocky about my I own abilities. I tested into honors math my yes. freshman year and then got there and same, wanted to. Buddy, same, same. Talk about passing oh away. Oh my it god! What awful. a difference! Like, I mean, you know, coming from a family of teachers, you, 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 you do have an understanding from birth almost at how important a good teacher is. But I think I underestimated math in that regard because, man, Mr. Owens was awesome and made it all make sense. And pre-algebra and algebra, I was like, I think I got this, y'all. Like, for sure, it's still my worst subject. But I'm getting it. And then I went into freshman geometry and was like, nope, 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 nope. What is this? No, yeah. no, no. It was absolutely horrifying. Ooh. And my teacher and at the end of the period, year. Which like, uh, ugh, forget first period. First period is like lost to me unless it's a great class. At the end of the year, he like talked to everybody in the class because either you got recommended for double math the following year or just like, no. And he was like, I'm not Wait, what's going double to. math? You took two math classes. Ew, ew. Yeah. Ew. Uh, by the way, again. All this is not about math. This is about my relationship to math. Exactly. All due respect. I am it, in awe of people who would be like. Still, math, thing took good. me too long to figure out because I think I was oh. talking to somebody who was like essays. Ew, and it was like no essays are my favorite. Yeah. Um, and then I stopped and was like, oh, I think what words and working with them feels like for me is what working with numbers feels like for you. And how nice that our brains work differently. I was in my twenties. Yes. It was past time to be kind about any of that. But yeah. um, it was like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, no, not shitting on math, but my function within it. And he was like, I think I'm not going to recommend you for that. And I said, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> High five, Absolutely. High five. And that makes sense. And if you thought you yeah. were breaking my heart, let me take that off uh-huh. your plate because we're having a great time. <laughs> um, so instead, because it was Jesus school, I took you would take church history as a sophomore. Uh, and what the double math that- kids would do was take... Yeah art church history as like satisfying their both their art and their uh, church school catholic class yeah religion so it's catholic it's was it it was it it's specifically the catholic religion's history it's not like world religion well world religion became an elective that i did kind of took my senior year. It was comparative religion. So that was focusing on the other of the big uh, three, which was Judaism and Islam, or pardon me, the big four, because Hinduism was in there too. Sure. Um, but you're still kind of getting that from a like a little bit of a removed, here's how they're different from us, like perspective. Yeah, I was going to ask that because I feel like that's come up in conversation before with people who went to private uh, schools that were of some type of religion and how much people seem to enjoy you know, in many cases, people who were not destined to continue to believe in God and at least not in the the way that they had been taught to, um, that that is this sort of cool beacon um, and that it is like (laughs) potentially like the church's worst fear realized, which is like, you see, you taught me about other religions and it did give me the room to go. Maybe if I stretch out a little bit, I might, you know, maybe there is something to some of these other ones uh, or nothing to any of them, depending on how you feel about it. Well, and the funny thing about that is because the way it was set up at my high school, all freshmen took scripture. So it was all about like we're talking about 
nuts and bolts Bible stuff because we don't know where you came from. So let's make sure you get it all here. The that book it was of Nuts chapter bolts. Exactly. <laughs> Verse five. Exactly. I'll see myself out. Um, then it was church history, which was very much like this Pope did this. And like, here's a schism that happened. And like all the very interesting to a degree, but also it's like, we're all still chill with this. It seems like many of these people were not great. Yeah, that's the, that was my other question is how with the Catholic Church having the history it does, like, how do you teach that history? And I guess, and then in my mind, I was like, well, probably the way that we teach American history, which is yep. like, it's you very, skim over the stuff that you're like, this was unfortunate. Anyway, here's all the cool stuff we yeah. were up to. Or it usually gets wrapped up in a very nice bow of like, this was a very long time ago. That was not the right, right. thing to do. And now we all agree on that. And it's completely fine. And right. it's not necessarily and uh, or at all. But then uh, my junior year was ethics, and that's where I started to have problems with hmm. or both questions and issues. Also, my teacher and I did not get along in that class either. So there were many complicated hmm. things happening kind of all at once. But ethics but see, is... This is, this is what's one of the things that's interesting to me is like I could, like, I could see you being someone who was like, you know... There wasn't going to be a teacher I didn't get along with because I was never going to like push back like push back against something because I just wanted to like keep my, you know, profile down and just move on and get out of school or whatever. So, I'm I'm interested in you having that dynamic with the teacher because that sounds like it wasn't just that you had uh, a passive dislike for a teacher. It sounds like there was there were exchanges happening in which you express something that then the teacher was like, I don't care for that. So there kind about of that. there kind of were. And it was never I mean, I won't dress it up to make it sound like I had like a big Norma Ray moment where I like stood <laughs> up and was like, absolutely not. But it was I want to form a union at this school. That'd be amazing. It's a walkout. Um no, I was so I was so about like not getting in trouble and doing the right thing that even when I did bump into stuff where it was like I, I think I went to my guidance counselor to be like there's a student walkout happening because of the Iraq war what would happen if we uh -huh. did walk out <laughs> uh, but religious ethics or Catholic ethics as it then gets presented is the very you're starting to learn that the very like woo woo message that you get of like God forgives everything and there's nothing you can do wrong. You just have to ask for forgiveness once like all of these very nice things that you get told when you're younger. Then you age into the part where it's like, well, except for we do have some special like subclasses of sin that have different rules. And these ones are unforgivable. And these ones you have to do a little bit extra for. And they just didn't make sense to mm -hmm. me of just thing things of like, well, if you are infertile, then God has decided that you're not called to have children in this earth. So if you try, then shame on you. And that's actually an affront to God and you're not supposed to. Or like if you... Mm passed by suicide you've made the choice to disrespect the life that god gave you and that's unforgivable and it's one of those things of it's just like mm, the message that i've been getting from religion up until now is that it's meant to be about like love and welcoming and healing and peace and so for taking people who are at their most painful moments and judging yeah. them for things that they can't I necessarily know, take that back breaks my heart that's that doesn't make sense heartbreaking yeah and eventually really what it's turned into in my now adult brain at this time is if those are the rules, then why would I want to hang out with you? Like, why would I want to follow them? 
because let's say let's say your theory on it it is all completely true that there's an immortal being up in wherever and has made these rules and this is what's up i wouldn't let a person treat me that way why would i want to be in that club why would if that's the price of entry i'm not interested Sure. But so little baby parts of that were starting to pop up at that time of just like, this doesn't, I'm not, mm-hmm. this doesn't make sense. And I'm not totally vibing with it. Also, contextually, this is now the year 2002. So September 11th had happened the previous year. Uh, and my sister was in school in New York at the time. That's how we found out about it. Um, mm-hmm. And she was in the Bronx and she was completely safe the entire time. Thank whoever you believe in. Yeah. But but that was a thing that it hit me hard. Like it was yeah. and it ended up later we were like, "Oh, it's PTSD." Like it was it was an empathetic reaction to a big thing that I couldn't understand. That was a little bit close to me because of relatives and proximity, but also of just the like the context of all of that. Turns out I was also in thyroid crisis at the time because I had undiagnosed Graves disease. <laughs> so <sighs> So just by uh, an unhappy set of circumstances, that day really rippled out into the rest of that year for me of just a whole, it was, it was the tipping point of a bunch of stuff of the world changing around me, of my personal world shifting in a big way of just all of these things. Um, But to then kind of take that and be going, diving right into a religious ethics class and watching whatever documentary they had made about that within a year, like right away with no warning that I ended up having to sit out of. Cause it was just like, I'm not ready to, wow. I'm not ready for this. Soon as hell. It was very soon. And it was too detailed. And it wow. was, I mean, nobody, Did the ca- when you say they had made about it, do you mean the Catholic church? Not the made Catholic their church. Own, or just like was there was like a documentary PBS or something um, yeah. had done like a, here's a one year later, something, something. Okay. And let's take a look at this, which it is a little wild how quickly we just are like, and now this is like news cuts and we're going to show real intense stuff that happened not that long ago. And here you go. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hello, I'm Lori Kilmerton. We do a podcast called the Jackie and Lori Show, and you could listen to it anytime you want it because there's hundreds of episodes. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing comedy forever, and we should both quit. So why don't you listen to <laughs> before we leave this not only terrible business, but this awful world. And find out why we can't. <laughs> because we love it so. <laughs> Jackie and Lori Show. Every week here on MaximumFun.org. I'm trying to remember because I definitely had, like, I remember when War of the Worlds came out, the Tom Cruise one, mm-hmm. um, and the the there's a there's a part in that that very specifically and purposefully kind of mimics 9/11 as you know a horror because it is a horror sci-fi. And I like had to leave the movie theater because I was like, I'm not ready for this at all. And I don't remember when it came out. So I have to I would have to look. But I remember even thinking that there was like a like any kind of a hint towards that experience. I was so not ready 
It was like, no, I can't have this even in the abstract. I can't have anything that takes me. And, you know, again, like I didn't lose anyone. Damn. I, you know, I did. I, I that was that was just purely being, you know, a young person who found it absolutely stunningly horrifying and incredibly sad as because well, it did. was like we yeah. didn't really take yeah. a moment to really stop and be like it was because that was something that I also I mean talk about punishing yourself for having feelings but that was another of like I don't know where to put this I can't really make it about me nor should I because I'm okay and I didn't lose anybody and I can't imagine what that was like for people who did and so what do I do with it I guess yeah. I'll say kind of nothing to anyone ever um and eventually i did get over that but of just the kind of trying to process that through and even that it's funny funny interesting not funny haha but that we all got picked our parents had to come pick us up from school like it was very funny they because there was still a third plane in the air i believe at the time that morning and they were like the Golden Gate Bridge might be a target. We don't know what's happening. The cathedrals. We a really were worried big about because um, I was there. I, of course, I was in the same city as you, and we were mm-hmm. very worried about the Trans America Building. Uh huh. Just that? all these that big was buildings. Like, well, and by the way, before and since nine eleven, San Francisco has been like it's got to be the number one or number yeah. two after New York depiction in movies. Like. If the world is going to end, you will see it happen in San Francisco. Yeah. And the <laughs> like, bridge will fall into the ocean or like Magneto's going to warp iconic, it, all of it. Yeah, yeah. And so we, you would wait. And when your name got called, it meant that your parent had come. And my dad mm. came to pick me up. So he was real. still working at the time. And my dad was almost never the person to pick me up because he worked nights a lot when I was younger. And just my mom was the more available person during the day for that. But um, she was at home, like, feeling fielding phone calls from all of our relatives. But he picked me up, and he was still in his suit from work, and it was just weird. Like, and it's mm, he was very emotionally yeah. present for me in a way that we mm. weren't always able to at that time. And I yeah. went home, and I went to sleep because I was just done for a little while. <laughs> and yeah. then when I got up, I just sat in the living room, and my mom actually came and took the remote from me because everything was just showing the same shot of that terrible shot of things either going down or the smoking crater in New York City. Yeah. So she switched it and to And that was light. before doom scrolling. Like imagine Way if we before had doom Twitter. scrolling and thank God. But <sighs> the only network not showing news footage I think was like Lifetime and it was Golden Girls reruns. And Amazing. so I always associate Golden Girls with September 11th now, which as it's reemerged into the cultural zeitgeist, it's like, I'm glad it's now when I really made peace and worked through a lot of that. <laughs> no but like, kidding. Ugh. Oh, the girls. The girls. That's crazy. They're there for you. Um, so anyway, oh um, now that we've taken our September 11th moment. <laughs> um <laughs> Now that we've now that we've ethics and religion, right that. yeah, that's that would be, and that's another really fascinating thing because, like, ethics as a as a purely philosophy course is so interesting and troubling in its own right because it's supposed to be right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I mean, my experience of taking any philosophy classes um, and definitely any ethics classes. It it was like asking tough questions and talking about, you know, morality versus like something that's been superimposed and like what is naturally good or bad or right or wrong. And so it's so interesting, the idea of like filtering stuff like that, like big concepts that I think of as being above, in a sense, no offense to religion. I understand if it's they go hand in hand for some folks. But for me, part of ethics is putting the religion 
apart under a microscope for that exact reason, to have that perspective and say, take several steps back and see if the place where you've been, quote unquote, receiving your ethics is the place that is, you know, like is is has a has universal truths mm-hmm. inside of it, or if and it's you know this... that's a wait way to check it. It's like a checks and balances, you know yes. what I mean. And here you are doing that inside of the Catholic Church is very interesting. When you should be talking about it and you should be questioning it because it is that kind of greater understanding and what is ethical to one person is this is another. But here's what we can agree on and meet in the middle. Whereas from a religious perspective in high school, at least the way that I was experiencing it with this teacher at this time was very much like, no, this is the rule book of Catholic ethics and this is what you do. Like there isn't really the room to question it so much as it's just like, here it is and here's this like workshop we're gonna do where you're a family and your child has come home and said this and it needs to be Mm. what like it was all of those of like well i know what answer i'm supposed to give but this doesn't feel good yeah but i guess it's the answer well yeah i guess that's my next question then i have to get into this mash game with you soon but um what uh because you weren't necessarily in a place where you were ready to um ask some of those tough questions of yourself or not even like, oh, there are these tough questions hanging out there. You know, I'm not saying that, that they're hanging out there. You're aware of them and you're not ready to ask them. It's like not like that at all. Um, But more just sort of being able to identify now that, you know, there were things that you just didn't feel comfortable about or that you just didn't feel fit you, but you knew they were supposed to. Uh, Were there things, even if you weren't turning that, you know, you mentioned Star Trek, for example, like were there things, even if you weren't turning the spotlight on yourself, were there external things like Star Trek um, that were, that felt right to you, that felt like now this makes sense to me and this feels more like me than that. Do you know yes. what I mean? What I got from, I was very, very, very imaginative and still am. Um, you can see that it's my room is a fun house. My whole living environment is I'm just like toys and superheroes and let's do it. Um, yes, love it. And always have been. And that's where I was really kind of finding my guideposts outside of the people who were raising me and people in my environment, obviously. But the things that I was spending my time with were very aligning me in a sort of lawful good way, but in a, in that sort of, I took very seriously of like, just try your best to treat people really well because it's the right thing to do, not because you want it in return, although that would be really cool and it's the outcome that we hope for, but of just the, if the decision that you're about to make is not the one that's going to be for betterment or self-improvement or kindness, I don't succeed all the time. Sometimes I'm a real dick, but like I have reached a point now where I think that's what I was striving for all the time of it's Mm. just like, this is when you're seeing a choice between what is good and what is bad, try to go for what's good. And in those ways, it almost is great. I've been rewatching the older Batman movies recently because I hadn't seen a couple of them, as a matter of fact. Mm, But I'm Michael Keaton, you mean? I hadn't seen Batman Returns and I hadn't seen Batman Forever. Listen to the Batman Forever soundtrack all the time. Yeah. uh, I barely remember Batman Forever, but I fucking love Batman Returns. I, when Michelle Pfeiffer gets licked back to life by those cats and then really loses it in her apartment for a minute and starts spray painting the walls black, it's it's wild. 
it's, it's but then immediately gets simple. hella gay like i was like this is a lot and then she with the neon lights and the hell and the background and the cat suit and the yeah. voice changes it's like all right i get it but yeah. um <laughs> and that's i mean again we've talked we we you know i say we we as like the Amer- an american culture like we sort of talk about and around like those moments where all of a sudden you're like wait a minute this is like cartoon like this is these are cartoon characters like these are like this is fun this kind of funny that we're so invested yes. in the suit and the this and the that with batman and stuff um and that's such a perfect example of like something that on its face and the, and and we continue to achieve this over and over i mean i think you know m- many people argue that most of the marvel movies do this successfully but that like you can step outside of it for a second and be like this is so silly but at the same time she is so it is happening like it's, it's happening. happening it can be both campy and incredibly real yes. and incredibly sexy and uncomfortable and angry and, and fun. like that and, and fun really fun and that yeah that movie really to me is like that encapsulates so beautifully like a great version of a comic book that gets turned mm-hmm. into a movie where you can see that the person and the people behind making it are so passionate about it, but they also are willing to have a sense of humor about it. Like that's like, yes. and mwah, I'm you know what the, I mean? maybe the one person in the United States of America who loves Batman and Robin, who will stand it forever. I saw it probably. When I, I was have to 11. watch it. I mean, I don't even know if I've seen it girl. It's wild. It's, I mean, listen, is it a good movie? But is that Joel no. Schumacher? Yes. He infuses all kinds of gay glitz and absolutely just awesomeness. like it's a great escape and way starting to- Batman Forever last night, I was like, you see the immediate shift from like Tim Burton camp, but like that kind of gross and the classic like this and whatever, into just like immediately I was like, Oh, this is horny. Like, like there's Batman no- horny disco. <laughs> like Batman flies in and Nicole Kidman immediately they haven't met and she's like, That's hot. Like it and then it's immediately just like tits out, like let's uh-huh. go. And it's <laughs> But in, I mean, it's very, very silly and there's some, yeah. I'm sure, misogyny in there too. But also it's kind of nice to just see immediately someone being like, you're hot and I want to make out and like, let's do it. Yeah. Um, but it. but in kind of revisiting those of just that is the beneath all of the, the fun and all of the this and all of the whatever, it's like, well, there's someone who's acting crazy and actively killing people and doing all of this stuff. And it's because they want stuff, but that's not the way to go about it. And that... That was the very easy thing that I think gripped me at a very young age. And there were times where I bumped up against that, but it kind of shaped my way forward, I think, and my way of thinking about things, which became, it can get a little bit binary and oversimplified, but if that's the place that you come back to, even in your complicated places, if it's just like, is this thing that I'm about to do going to hurt anybody? Because if it is, I should probably think of an alternative way to get to the end that I want to. And if there isn't one, I got to pick something else to do. Right. I would say what you're saying is what we all, I think anybody who's bothering to listen to this podcast, I don't think I have a lot of hate listens, um, feel that and agree with that. But where it gets tricky is when you are doing something that's not like really hurting anybody but maybe a family member would be like what you're doing is hurting me mm-hmm. and that is hard because then you're grappling with like but like you know what i'm saying i mean yes. that's i think a, oh, a really I? tough gray area for somebody who has had that compass you know and really does want to do right by the people they care about and stuff then it's then it's uh, it becomes immediately complicated when you're like i've made this choice this feels right to me 
it's I'm it's I'm living in a new kind of harmony with myself. And then a family member is like, but I'm uncomfortable with it. And that hurts me. Why would you hurt me? And then you're then you're pushing right up against that sort of like, well, now, hold on. You know what I mean? Like, wait, 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 wait. Now we have to sort of redefine what hurting someone else means. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where it got. I mean, that's where it got complicated. And that's where that was a place that I was not equipped to go to for a very long time. And then when it became time for me to in that it was like, hey, first I'm realizing that maybe I'm not a heterosexual person. I've got something else going on. And then the additional step to that a few years later, which is I don't think I'm a cisgender person. uh, And I've got that going on. And by the time I said both of those things out loud, I had just gone through the like final steps of like, this is all in a rush of like, I'm asking this question, am I this, am I that? Because I know already. When I was sitting down with a gender therapist, it almost felt like a formality. And in a way it kind of was, but we don't have time for health insurance discussions right now. But of just the like, (laughs) I needed somebody who felt professional to me to say like, yeah, it sounds like what you think you are or who you think you are is like, congrats, you did it. So like, what are our next steps going to be? And as somebody who has now gone from a straight lady for Jesus to a very uh, masculine presenting non-binary person, it, I had some difficult years of that, of like the, the growth and the settling in had everything to do with external people around me and nothing to do with me who was like, I, all of these things that I thought I needed to like fix or adjust or change or wasn't doing correctly. I knew, I knew the whole time. And it's very, because I've now hit a point where I've worked through the biggest internal difficulties in my life about it of like the, I figured out a way to have a functional relationship with the people who still aren't totally comfortable with it and aren't necessarily going to use the right vocabulary for it, but who that's on them and that's on their own term. And I'm happy to meet them when they're ready to meet me with it. But of it's coming from a place of they've got to go on their own journey with it. And it actually, I can see and recognize that it has nothing to do with me as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, It's unfortunately directed at me as a person, but, but that, that can be okay. Two difficult things or two true things, even one difficult, one totally chill and fine can exist at the same time. But um now that I'm in a position of that, it is very interesting to look back at at everything, at every step that I've taken to get to here, including all the nervousness, including all of the just unsettledness. It just took an extra long time to get comfortable and settled with who I am and where I'm at. But to see all of those moments where it was like, you knew, like you were, you knew and you were kind of trying to tell people too. I just didn't have the words for it. And one of the things that makes me so happy, even right now, as things are very, very difficult for the trans community, especially, but there's, for better or for worse, with all the challenges that the internet and social media and everything else have brought, the vocabulary that's now accessible and the just like repeated validation and proof of existence, it's so much more difficult to bury than it has been at every point in history up until now. And so to to know that if you have that question, you can 
type that in and get some language and start to be able to use it to try and describe to people of like, no, I think this is it. Instead of me at age seven being like, I want to grow up to be a boy or a dog. Like if, (laughs) and in a way I've managed to take the parts of that that I wanted (laughs) and to a degree we're doing it. Yes. But of all of the things where it's like, I knew and here are all the things that helped me. And that's very, very validating. And if you have an issue with that, or if that, what you're saying when you're saying like, hey, you being trans or you being you, or you doing this thing that's innocuous in any other context hurts me. And I don't like that you're doing it. What you're saying is, you're uncomfortable with the discomfort that it makes you feel and there's very much a difference between that and the objective of like you took something that didn't belong to you from me that's hurtful in a different way or like you stabbed me like that's hurtful in a very different direct way so let's that's where discussion and nuance actually does matter but it's also gives the clarity of like that's I'm sorry. And when I say that, I really mean it. I am sorry that you feel that way. And I hope you can find your way to being able to examine that discomfort just in the same way that I have to examine my discomfort. And that's the thing too, is it's, I can say you, you, you need to do this. And part of what I need to remind myself a lot, but what's been helpful is, well, if I say that and have that expectation for other people, I've got to hold myself accountable to that expectation too. When I bump into the stuff that makes me uncomfortable yeah. If I'm going to tell someone like, hey, it sucked that you did this, I have to be ready to hear sometimes, hey, it kind of sucked that you did this. And like, let's talk about it and let's get it through. Yeah. How can I help you? But if I can't, that's your journey and you've got to go on it. Yeah. But um, but that <sighs> that's the best part. And it gives it tames so much of that anxiety. It tames so much of that peace. What I learned through with just the sweetest, best, most wonderful therapist ever who was my therapist through when I was white knuckling it right at the beginning of my transition through probably like a year or two ago, uh, he was the absolute best. And he was very, very good at when I would start to spin out. Cause it's my big problem. And Catholic school kind of makes you think this too, of just like, everybody's looking at you. Mm. Like we used to be told all the time of like, with your dress code, like you got to make sure your shirt's tucked in and be careful about mm. how you're conducting yourself when you're wearing our school's logo, because you're representatives of our school and everyone's looking at you as an example. Yeah. And that can translate Oh my god! at a time so... where I wasn't necessarily ready to be seen as anything at all also, but yes. it turns into everybody's looking at you. Everybody's noticing <sighs> what you're doing. Everybody's judging you. Oh god! And yeah, it's so... the articulation of everything that we always fear and often isn't true. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like dropped into an environment when it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Everything you're worried about that... is 100 percent happening. And starting we're, we're through, doing it. Yeah. Starting through with therapy is it was all that. And I would talk about how main transition was affecting other people and how this was happening and what they felt about it and what I needed to do to deal with that. And I, he would ask me all the time, my therapist would just be like, how do you feel about it? And it was never in a weird, like course correcty way, but he was like, are you, how are you? And how do you feel about what you're doing? And after my uh, top surgery, when that happened, he was like, do you ever get time to just like enjoy yourself and enjoy this body that you worked for and Mm. look in the mirror and just like think nice things about yourself and congrats because now I do a bunch but um and that was actually (laughs) something I started 
when that first lockdown happened in 2020, it was like, well, I am now responsible for two elder people, one of whose lungs truly don't work. So I'm going to be by myself for a bunch, I think. And that just started a lot of like, well, you're alone with your thoughts a lot. So let's take mm -hmm. a look. But also it started just like, I spent a very long time go, go, go and asking a lot of my body and asking for it to show up for me, even when I was being very unkind to it. And mm -hmm. what if I start paying that back a little bit? What if I just pick a thing each day of just like, your butt looks great. Or just like, I like the way that my shoulder feels when I do this. And like, I like mm -hmm. not having a shirt on when I do this. And this is all great. And now it's gone. Now that's the baseline. Now anything else is just gravy. So now the rest of the things that I do to be nice to my bod or to myself, I'm doing it because I enjoy it. I'm not doing it to punish myself. I'm not doing it to try and look better than I am. It's just my baseline is I'm great. I'm cute and fun and nice. And let's go. Ugh. What a treat. First of all, I want to say earlier when I was like, I didn't. It's so funny because sometimes when I say like what your transition was, the reason that I paused on that and that I wanted you to say it is because. I worry about like placing a finality on something. You know what I mean? Like it's so funny because because it's so it can be so ongoing for people. And mm -hmm. so it's it, I don't want people to think that like we're meeting someone where they are right now and they've completed a quote unquote transition. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. there's there's still language around that that I'm curious to see. And I'm not the person who should be making these decisions. I'm wide open to whatever. But like I'm I'll be interested to see if some of those some of the vocabulary that's been so helpful to see how it evolves as more people be like get comfortable with the entire concept of you know n like a non-binaryness and transitions and all those kinds of things because it wouldn't surprise me if at some point people are like we need to find a different word that's not transition because that implies a beginning middle and end mm -hmm. and and there doesn't have to like you know what i'm saying anyway it's funny that you bring that up because i think that is also a concept that can be applied to just like being a person period yes the exactly. number of times that i kneecapped myself in terms of just like my growth and development and just like not even that of just the mundanity of navigating day to day because it was like oh well i was chronically anxious and having panic attacks and i have clinical depression but like got it nailed it and so i got uh -huh. it yeah. And it's it never is of it's just yeah. like, well, now the difference being I'm not happy all the time. I can recognize I can step outside of that when it's happening and go like, well, here are the tools that we can try to try and make that better. And maybe none of them Absolutely. are going to work this time. But like, let's run through it. Otherwise, let's write it out. And yeah. that taking the pressure off is like, no, but you got it. You got there and you fixed it and you got to the end of depression and everyone's fine now. Right. Of right. It's, no, I didn't. Like and a door closes behind you. Like, exactly. Bye -bye. Of like, yeah. congrats. And you did it. And I yeah. think that can be it's so helpful in so many of the ways we navigate our lives, whatever identities are, be it like your transition, be it your sexuality, be it your I mean, listen, you could have been conceptualizing yourself as a full ass heterosexual person your whole life and then at like 75 you meet somebody who's different than you're used to and it knocks that right Absolutely. out you don't need to redefine your whole entire life it's just you took your next step forward into tomorrow like yeah. it's yes yes and it gets so much more chill that way when you're mm. not having to think you need to fully like restructure your life every single day as you get new information that's kind of how yes. I put it oh, to I myself I love that 
And my, I even love that. My sister was like, so your next step is you're going to be a boy. And I was like, I don't, I mean, from where I'm sitting right now, I don't think so. Yeah. That's not to say that five years from now, I don't get another new piece of information and that's where I go. But yeah. But also don't worry about it. <laughs> also, yeah. I think Do you think that that's is, something that, is that a way, is that her way of, and not to say you know this, um, or that's my business to ask, but is that her kind of preparing her, like, is that her trying to be an ally and, like, kind of preparing herself for that in the event of? Or, it, like, you know what I'm saying? Is that, like, a way of connecting with you rather than, like, I need to define you for yourself or, like, I assume this is a midpoint or whatever? I think it's more the binary is still so much easier for people to understand, even as allies. Even transness yeah. is so much easier to think of as you started as A and then you became B, and A and B are the only choices that we yeah. have. Because A, we're all socialized that way. You can't really punish anybody for, for hundreds that. and for hundreds of years, hundreds for of the years. most part, and like and language plan, and all that. Like it was yeah. on purpose. Yes, folks yes, in power the whole way have been kind yes, of guiding absolutely. it that way. Absolutely. And so it's it's something I used to be very angry and sensitive about because of where I was at in my life. I was very angry and sensitive about it. Um, but now that I've gotten to the other side or through a lot of that. I can kind of lower my shoulders when that comes up and be less defensive and see of just like, let's start at the ground level of you're a person who loves me. You're a person who supported mm -hmm. me when I told you first, and you're a person who's trying to understand you're not totally getting it right. So I hope you're receptive right. to the feedback that I'm giving you, but also who knows? We're all yeah. people getting new information and trying to share that with the folks in our immediate circle as we go forward. But like, we might get more information tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's 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 such an interesting time because it's everything is so raw and sensitive and everything and so much is tangled up like everything's just entwined and entangled. And like, I think if like because because things do move at a snail's pace and I, I don't want them to and I'm not saying that they they will but they have in many cases that there's maybe there will be this maybe maybe a next piece of the journey that we're all on maybe it will be that there is less fear and anger attached so that it's a cleaner like that, that that there's something cleaner about a good-hearted person being like, I'm so sorry, I'm just getting used to the they-them thing because I've, I've lived 75 years on this earth and that was never something I ever knew. You know what I mean? Like in terms of language. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard because it's so everything's so tangled up in the really hard stuff yeah. that, you know, it's like if, as much as we can all have patience with each other, also understanding that it's harder for some their lives are feel harder right now because yeah. of what society is doing. And so, yes, I think it does fall on those of us who, you know, for, for as it happens in this particular arena may have it a little bit kinder in the way we're treated. It's like, don't expect the exact same level of patience <laughs> yeah. coming from somebody who's very who's who has been tangled up in it and has, has been hurt by it. I think, you know, as I'm sitting here talking to you and, you know, you and I don't talk every day, um, but I do feel like we have had these very kind of big touch points in each other's lives. And um, and so it's not a day to day and I'm not a family member. At the same time, I just sit here and I think, and I think this every time we've ever been in touch with each other ever um, over, again, many, many years, um, is like I feel so lucky and 
as I'm sitting here, like, listening to you just, you know, fucking vomit out these, like, amazing bone mo of, like, I want every trans kid to, like, get a guidebook written by you, um, of how lucky, like, talk about privilege. Like, I have had the privilege of getting to be a part of this, even in some small way, and getting to see someone come into their authentic self. And, like, I wish that for everyone. Like, I wish, like, it's such a gift. Like, you, it's such a gift to me, and I wish I could give that gift to everyone. Like, anybody who doesn't have someone in their life who is transitioning in some sort of way in terms of, like, their sexuality or their gender, their presentation, anything... Like, I hope that for you. Like, I hope you have that because it's a gift. It's such a gift because it's so undeniable when you have the privilege of seeing it up close. It's so undeniable how positive it can be and how positive it is and how inspiring it is. So that's something I just wanted to make sure I said. It's like, I just want that for everyone. I hope that you know and and more and more people are getting that experience and that is just it's like i feel high from from that you know it is when it's and thank you that's very kind uh of you to say and what i would like to say back is well two things of one the i say it a lot because it feels important to me to say a lot in whatever public platform that I have which I don't use a ton right now it's one of those things of it's just like anyone who's looking at me like knows what's up what's uh-huh. up <laughs> so I don't I think once upon a time I was a very like lofty declaration maker on my social platforms of just like this and like I got to orate on it and it's like I don't think I need to because I don't need to convince any of you of anything but what is very important to me to share and to say is I do feel the privilege of the fact that I get to be me, that I had the wherewithal and the tools and the resources and none of that eliminates the struggles that I went through. But I also have the perspective to know that in the grand scheme of things, I'm a real lucky so-and-so to have just had the community and the resources and the position to be able to relatively safely be very, very visible in a life that I did fight for, but in a life that I love so much. And I think at a time where we do talk about the trans struggle a lot, it is extremely important to have voice to just not even like trans joy, although that's important too, but of just like, trans process just like the very mundane things of like I needed to find a doctor and I needed to go with this and I needed to that and like here's what this felt like to demystify the process a little bit um, while simultaneously educating about it and it's one of those things that I'm kind of trying to figure out how to do because part of that privilege has afforded me the opportunity to now be on an other side where me talking about transness isn't trauma. I'm really happy to educate people to the degree that I'm capable of. And I love just talking about the experience of like, here's what I felt today. Here was the emotion that I was reaching for. Here was just like fierce, fierce joy in being myself. And just like, what, cause it's, it's what my therapist was trying to guide me to of just like, I love to look in the mirror and it's not coming from a place of vanity, but it's a just like, look at you. Like you, started as something else and you're this and being this makes you so happy 
And that's, it's a really lovely thing. And every other part of it where it's just like this feeling and this is where it came from. Or like, I'm feeling kind of like a hoe today. And isn't that nice? Cause I shed all this like weird Catholic sex shit that we didn't even talk about. Like all of that. Uh-huh, totally. It's like, totally. here's where all of this came from and you don't have to feel bad about it anymore. And it's actually really interesting. It's interesting how this experience maybe led you to feel this way about this thing. Let's yeah. talk about it. Stuff that used to be very stressful and painful is now fascinating. And I don't know where I want to put those words or that energy or any of that uh, now. But yeah. but any opportunity I have to be trans in public and to talk to people and especially young people about trans stuff and history. I love queer history so much now. Um and have a nice enough background in it that I can talk to folks about it, sometimes to an irritating degree. But it, all of those things are such sweet, wonderful gifts. And I mean, there's a reason why there are folks trying to take those opportunities away. Like it's no one's ever tried to take away something that was helpful to people because, you know, it was casual. It's very calculated and it's happened a bunch of times before, but it's getting harder and harder to do. I will say that through the context of history. Um, And then separately from that, I mean, maybe a little bit forward, but I mean, these past few years, even though it's been like mostly pen pally, you do feel like family at this point. Like you're just, uh, you've just been this really neat like cousin or something that I don't see a whole lot. But when I do, it's just like, let's, and sometimes it's for like five minutes, but but you're you've always been very very supportive but also just really great about letting me barf out all of those feelings in a way that i wasn't comfortable doing with some of my own blood family members at that point i didn't know how to it's just the by the circumstances and the weight of our upbringing we've been navigating and working on those communication roads and we're still going to but to 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 have you whether you were consciously doing it or not, even when I was just listening to podcast episodes, but to have that sensitive voice kind of getting me to look at hard things and know that I could and still be okay. It's just been really special and really lovely. And I'm so glad that we've gotten the point to to know each other long enough for me to be chilled out on the other side and having a nice conversation now too, instead of I just know, like shitting ice in a corner trying to say hello. <laughs> Well, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Like you have uh, my podcast logo on your body, and I um, do. I really thought I, that was the wrong move when I told you about it too. No, I, I, it's because it's one of those things that, um, you know, like I take that really seriously because I have such respect for you, and like talk about an external like Jiminy Cricket. Do you know what I mean? Like I want I never want you like to ever regret that do you know what I mean I never want to do anything Woo! I'm getting so emotional I never want to do anything that would make you not feel proud to have that you know you and, couldn't like, what an amazing motivator for for someone again like talk about privilege like I'm so lucky to have you know because of course we none of us wants to let down the people we care about but there's something that are that's there's something about the physicality of a tattoo that articulates that so perfectly that is just like well that's a symbol that is a literal symbol 
on someone else who I care very deeply about that I never want to do bad by, you know? And so I just, I, again, we should all be so lucky <laughs> to have, yeah. to have their you little Jimmy It was over. very funny uh, when I just saw you at Sketchfest when you were like, do you still have it? So it's going to be like, nah. I'm always ready for you to be like, ugh, honestly, you said something on Twitter and I was like, this thing's going bye-bye. <laughs> no, never. And it, it makes me feel very happy every time I look at it. It really just makes me feel like very safe and really makes me just just smile and feel so happy oh, and grounded God, so it's not buddy. going anywhere my dude i loves you okay we're gonna take a break i will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at maximum fun i'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more about what we consume whether it's our food our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to Big Star Trek and says no. We can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The Greatest Generation, the show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek. And the groins of different costumes. Reviewing every episode in order. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek industrial complex that they can't control your mind. Well, let's do this mash game. Done. I gotta ask you about jumping into movies. Now, I do want to make this particular category, I want to go into more of the realm of the pretend in the sense of the superhero, the magic, the whatever, you know. To, to, what if I was like, Amistad, thank you. <laughs> Even though I know I'm going to be on the wrong side of history if I'm there. Something's yeah. wrong with my connection. I would have to. Okay. So but just because like, yeah, I want to hear the fancy, uh, the fanciful, but also like the profound of, you know, just those worlds that people make for us. I'm going to steer clear of a, a, a hot button topic right now uh, in terms of imaginary words that have been built to give people comfort. I think we all know what I'm saying. But uh, just, yeah, three three movies that you would love to, three worlds that you would love to be able to go into and interact with those characters and just be. Oh, gosh. Um, Thor Ragnarok, gosh. for sure. Gosh, that's so fun. Gosh, I've, I, lo- I ne- if you told me, and I, I, I'm saying this as a person who loves superheroes and stuff, but if you told me that like my number one get for a friend would be a pile of rocks, <laughs> I'd be like, like who knew? I have two toys no. of him somewhere here. Like it's just so good. Oh my god! And that was I saw oh. that having like I think I was like fresh off a breakup and the 2016 election, all this mm. trash stuff. And I went in yes. with kind of low expectation, almost of yes. like, well, I guess I got to see it because I got to protect my reputation. But I think I might be done with this for now. And then I was like, nope. Nope. Yes. Re-up me. Thank you so much. Re-up me. I'm so happy. Yeah. So that for sure. Um, Beautiful. Return of the Jedi. Amazing. Which in a way, like I could do, but it's just going to be mere woods if I go. There's not going to be right. Ewoks. There's going to be you no one fun. won't see an Ewok. Yeah, probably God damn those he walks and if i did right. you, my number one fear is rabies so i'd be <laughs> really stressed out about it oh uh didn't you hear ewoks uh can't carry rabies they can't carry rabies <laughs> this just uh, in from physiologically, space physiologically that's right yeah. physiologically uh impossible um, kills the rabies virus and then a third a third a third what movies do i even like batman and robin that gotham city Great. that neon inexplicably Great. Yes. 
ice skates popping out of your boots. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze world. That's just a gorgeous time. And Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, which of all of the things that I look back on and I was like, you're gay as hell for ladies. Oh, my God. (laughs) I had a real moment where I was like, I just feel like we're real close friends and it's great. And I should rent everything this person's ever been in. And that was one of those where I was just like, there's just something about her. There's just something about when she takes her dress off in Dangerous Liaisons. I can't put my finger on what it is. There's just something about that that made me watch it over and over and over and over and over and over. And a real Drew Barrymore moment, too, where that led me to rent the gorgeous Western, all ladies Western bad girls with Madeline Stowe. And God, Madeline Stowe is another I think one. Mary Stewart Just Masterson like, or it was Leah Thompson you? and Andy McDowell and Drew yeah. Barrymore. And they were like, all the boys die and we're all ladies hanging out. And I was like, this is great. This feels right. This feels pretty good. Yeah. A thousand good percent. Yeah. Uh, okay, great. Uh, all right. Next category. Got to do foods. Three foods. There uh, can be a regular part of your life now or they can not be at all for various reasons uh, in this world. No ramifications. Whatever you want. Absolutely. Soft in the middle chocolate chip cookies. Great. The honestly, the best Reese's delivery system, which is either it's the same theory. So why mention two different ones? But there's like a hollow, almost like a Cadbury cream egg structure, but it's chocolate on the outside, the peanut butter on the inside. It's a Reese's egg in that way. The 3D one, not the The flat one. Yeah. Yes. That one's great. And then at Christmas, they do like a mini nutcracker. But the ratio, because of the shape of it, the chocolate walls on the outside are a little thicker, which is a more mm, satisfying delivery it. system. Yeah, I get it. That yeah, the eggshell sometimes you want it to be a little heartier. Yeah, yeah, got it. I'm just like I want like an extra half inch there, and then the proportion of chocolate to peanut butter is just a real chef's kiss. There was right. a minute in 2020 where I was just going up to the grocery store by my house and was like, "Guess this is dinner because I deserve it." Um, so. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I put Reese's 3D. Uh, just so yeah, you know, that's perfect. how I'm depicting that. Also a What's great number movie. Three? <laughs> number three would be Marble Cake. Great, great. All this talk about Uma, I'm going to have to move into the romance uh, sector of MASH. Absolutely. Give me, some, give me three. Give me three people, uh, real people, characters, cartoons, whatever you want. Steve Rogers in Avengers Infinity War specifically. There's great. a poster of him right above my desk that I can see right now. Great. That beard really did it. I know. He needs that beard. He needs that beard. Needs it really strengthens beard. the jawline. Um, when I have my winter beard on, I'm like, mm, we're the same. Like, it's one of those mm-hmm. of like, do I want to mm-hmm. be with you? Do I want to be you? And also that's yeah. where my confidence is gone, where I'm like, I know objectively we're not the same, but also I look in the mirror and that's what I see. Fuck yeah. So that, uh, Tessa Thompson whenever. Uh, yeah. And just, she seems like she has a good sense of humor. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. She, for Halloween one time, she was that like devil emoji with the furry like head all around it. And oh, yeah. yeah. Really did it. Um, I love it. I think this is the most important decision I've ever made. Yes, it is. And it is. Because it's binding. Right now, because we were talking about Thor, I guess Hemsworth. Great. He seems like a nice man. Very funny. Very funny. Very Thank funny. God they let him be funny. And so well, we you know what? See. He and I feel this way about Chris Evans too, which is probably why part of what makes me find them attractive. They both seem very secure in their masculinity. Mm-hmm. In a way, in a just like it's a very unfussy sort of like I'll be silly, I'll do this thing. I don't need to like yes. hashtag no homo it. Everything's fine. Yeah, hundred percent. I find that very attractive. Uh, same and love it. 
Okay, uh, three places in the world that we could teleport you to for another home base. Seattle. I went to school there, and I I get to go there for two weeks because a friend has just moved back there. So nice. now I'm working Seattle. remote privileges. I get to just pop in there. But Seattle is great. Yes. Just because I would like to be able to go back and forth there with ease, the country of Ireland in general. Great. Yes. Where I also lived, but I need to go back to because I'm much cuter and more confident now. Get uh, over there. Right? Where it was yes. like, oh, what a bummer that that was at like a peak stressed out time in my life. Yeah. But I still, it was still yeah, a good time, but there. I could do good work there. And then I think somewhere Nordic I would do well, like a, like a Norway situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I'd look cute in some sweaters. You definitely would. You definitely would. I can on see like you a, in On like a fjord. Day. Yeah. I'm putting Norway fjord. Great. Uh, okay, next category I want to... And by the way, you know this game better than anyone, too. So, like, if you have categories that you're wishing that I would ask you for this particular mash, please holla. Um, do we need to do friend from fiction? Oh. Book, movie, TV, show, cartoon, comic? Yeah. Let's, Let's bring that. out a friend from one of those worlds. Captain Marvel, the way that Kelly Sue DeConnick wrote her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She just seems like she's down to clown. She's a writer die who was ready for you. Thousand percent. And Clint Barton, the way that Matt Fraction wrote him. Great, 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 great. What a goofball. <laughs> love. And then, oh, Robin from Stranger Things. Oh, love it. Okay. Uh, Got to do it. Alternate universe career. You can try it on. You don't have to stick with it if you don't like it, but you can really just like effortlessly dive into something like kind of midstream and, and, get all the good that comes out of it pilot right. but not commercial i don't nothing with other people anymore god bless you god bless each and every one of you but but I'm, so, but I'm so sick of you and your needs um i'd like to be like a park ranger love there can be people there sometimes for that one if they want to like Great. ask a Up question about a tree only uh-huh. um and then maybe like a like a museum tour guide I've only done that for free, like a fool, but I would love to do that professionally if I could. I love sharing Perfect. information with people. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. I got two more categories. Is there anything that you know you want me to do that I haven't done yet? No. Surprise me. I mean, I kind of want to hear, like, soundtrack. Like, Ooh. musician that, yeah, musicians that do a soundtrack for you. Composer, singer-songwriter, Whatever you want. It's so funny because I, in a pre-iPod world, I would have a disc man and a backpack full of CDs at school, just like all the time. Because it was yes. like, I don't know what I'm going to want to do. And most of them were movie scores. Like, Yes. Not even necessarily Dude. soundtracks, but like movie scores. Actual Again, scores. I yes. might be the only person in America who wrote every academic paper to the score from the Joshua Jackson film, The Skulls. <laughs> um, you might be. It's a lot of, you like, haunting piano that's, like, really oh. good background. Amazing. Um, God bless. But, uh... Great. So, but... Well, I was very excited to see in my feed your episode with Tegan and Sarah today because... <gasps> I know, right? I, it's... They're the... I've seen them the most out of anybody ever. I just saw nice. them for like my eight or ninth time in November to the point where now I'm like the arrangement on these with the crybaby <laughs> tools they have with them on the classic songs. It just works really well. Uh, 
Uh, so Tegan and Sarah, I would trust them Love with it. the soundtrack to my life. Um, Love it. And then John Williams is too exciting. Okay. <laughs> it's just not, it just doesn't strike the right vibe to me. It's too heroic. <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm buying a peach. Yeah. It's too, yeah. And it's too the most epic. exciting thing that's ever It's too <laughs> epic or I'm weeping like it's Princess Leia's theme. It'll get you every time. Yeah. yeah. Um, Honestly, I'm embarrassed that I don't know who composed the score to the skulls, but I trust that person. And okay, I who skulls, for skulls it, maybe. Person. Let's let's Great. take the skulls person. Great. They got me my degree. Um Great. <laughs> I'm looking it up while you think about it, so I got oh, you. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Cause now I'm just really curious. I don't want to pick any of the sad people. Because they're very skilled, but that's not my vibe either. I'm scared that maybe I've never seen the skulls. Don't be scared. It's really okay. (laughs) (laughs) Randy Edelman. Randy Edelman. Randy, thank you so much. Good job, Rand. Thank you so much for the gifts you've given me. Um, Okay. I think my number three is the the Muppets. (laughs) Oh, my God. Hell yes. No one's ever said that. And why the hell not? (laughs) Oh, my God. Love, 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 love. The Muppets. I do find it an interesting uh, Rorschach when what people's favorite Muppet film is. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great what Muppet is Caper Muppet? is mine. Yeah, that's hot. I think I think that's second to the very first one just because the first one is, you know, yeah. it's like inside my DNA now. Of course, of um, course. You'll be happy to hear that he also did the music to Troop Beverly Hills, oh! Ghostbusters 2, Quick Change. Kindergarten Cop, Drop Dead Fred, V.I. Warshawski, My Cousin Vinny, Beethoven. Wait a minute. Beethoven with the dog? He did music for Last of the Mohicans? No, that was someone else. (laughs) Was he in with Trevor Jones? Okay. Holy shit. I can't believe that. That's such an iconic soundtrack. A little bit of a departure from everything else we've talked about is why I bring that up. Angels of the Outfield. The Mask. Oh. Billy Madison. Citizen X for HBO while you were sleeping. Oh, I love while you were sleeping. Wow, this guy is. I like, I, I, I've there have just been so many movies that I've seen that he did the soundtrack for that I or the com, com, uh, composing for that I just didn't know. Same year he did the skulls, Shanghai Noon. Wow, well, I've there only been go. in the most highbrow. Thank you. Uh, I used the skulls. I used the, the skulls to score uh, the scene that I was assigned from "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf" in my sophomore <gasps> acting class in high school. Love it's it. Very haunting and upsetting. Love it. Fun fact: okay. I almost picked that to write as an answer in my essay for my AP English exam, but couldn't remember two of the character names, and there are only four people in that show, I so I wouldn't have <laughs> been able to fix like fake it. Can't do it. Uh, that does seem important. Okay. All right. Uh, final category. Oh, I know what I want to do. Three moments in queer history that you get to see for yourself. You just get to sort of be a fly on the wall and like, you know, it doesn't have to be a moment like it's that exact second. I mean, like it could be a moment of, you know, Andy Warhol or a moment like, of. I would like to be whoever, the brick but... at Stonewall. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I would have liked to just be there while Keith Haring was doing one of his murals because he didn't plan them in advance and it's so interesting to even watch footage of him just like curving around wherever he was love it also maybe the only artist journal I've ever read but very interesting um so yeah 
around while he was doing something. I would have been very curious to know Harvey Milk. I talked about him a lot when I was, I used to do volunteer tours for the Queer History Museum here in SF, um, which I highly recommend to anybody listening while they're, uh, if they're ever in town. It's a very, very small space, but it's absolutely worth your time. Um, and we would always end with Harvey's stuff because it was kind of the last spot and it was, yeah. they have on display and it sounds ghoulish and it's really not, but uh, the suit that he was wearing when he was uh, assassinated. Yeah. And everyone kind of had the freedom to take the tenor that they wanted to with that. And mine was kind of always of just like, it's awful and it's important that we remember that and that we know the details of that. Uh, But it's also, they have a snippet of the diaries that he recorded and it's just, uh, here's someone who knew, who just knew the risk and accepted the risk and it wasn't to be a hero so much as... I mean, listen, he was a very public person and he enjoyed it from what I understand, but but that was someone I think who also knew and understood and really believed in the responsibility that was happening there. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think just being around that energy would be nice and would oh, be interesting. Yeah. So that, and then Jose Saria used to perform at the, he was the first empress of the court of San Francisco, the imperial court, but he was a drag performer at the Black Cat in North Beach, which was a female impersonator bar. That's what it was referred to at the time, because that was the first gayborhood pre-Castro, but uh, because all the sailors would get off up at the Mm -hmm. ports in North Beach. But they got raided all the time at a time when it was very when the point was to catch you and to release your identity and all the rest of that. But um, but he kept coming back. He was usually the one who would lead everybody in singing uh, about the Nelly Queens, all of that. So it's he was the first one to run for public office as well in San Francisco as an out gay man. Just a really interesting, interesting person with an interesting story. and same thing I've just understood that early need for for activism and outness at a time when it was a big personal risk. Yeah. Oh, I love it. See everyone, you just got a mini tour, the tiniest little sliver of a mini tour. Um okay, uh give me a word that um helps describe your the positive feeling of when you look uh, at yourself in the mirror. Fierce. Yes. That's the one, man. Okay. All right. Uh, You know what I got to do? I'm going to give you your 100% guaranteed MASH future. Uh, What else do you want to tell people about? You want to vamp for a second and tell people uh, to go and see and do things or follow you where and when and how? Or, uh, and if nothing else, we can just, you can sit in awkward silence while I do this and then we'll uh, cut away as if nothing, uh, no time has passed. Uh, Great. Yeah. Let's see what I can say before I run out of it. So uh, I, you can find me online on Instagram almost exclusively. Uh, at a dapper werewolf. Uh, I am a board member for previously mentioned uh, Kidstock Inc. They're a fantastic organization based here in San Francisco. 
that uh, provides performing arts education, both in school during the year, as well as through their own independent summer programs. And as I've mentioned, it really uses the arts as a tool to help build confidence uh, and team building for kiddos through the arts as a platform. It's not about training professional actors or getting you ready to be on camera, uh, any of the rest of that. They're really, really great people. That's work that I have participated in, but also just really, really believe in. So they're fantastic. Check them out at kidstockinc.org. I also uh, help out with the newly revived uh, queer kind of cabaret show, Fancy Pants, which has found its new home at Oasis. Uh, The first show just took place. The next date is July 12th, I believe, will be coming back. So keep an eye out with Oasis or on my social for that. Uh, I do perform under the name Barry O'Toole. So satisfying. (laughs) So satisfying. Yep. Barry spelled the traditional Gaelic way of B-A-I-R-E with a father. Oh, remember the B-A-I-R-E, everybody. Remember mm-hmm. that precious And he has A-R-E. his own social that is up and coming because it was oh, okay. a last minute decision. But oh my God. on Instagram anyway. at yeah. Barry O'Toole. Yes, I will. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, send it to me. Okay. Because uh, I'm deep in your mash right now. Deep in your mash. And the last Feel time it. we did this, you may or may not recall, was... Uh, to celebrate your 100th episode, I was a MASH That's recipient right. and we did it in person at Outside Lands in the back. That's and right. that truly was at a time where you were like, I'm trying to think of what questions to ask based on what I know about you. And it was like all of my deepest fears and darkest secrets are just been the basis of our conversation up until now. Like, so what most made you want to flop sweat and barf? Like it. <laughs> The answer, of course, everything. (laughs) We got some good stuff out of you, even then. Uh, Okay, first of all, there's a lot. There's just a lot of good stuff going on here. There's a lot of good stuff going on here. Number one, I want to say, in your upcoming trip to Seattle, I want you to really keep your eyes out for the best mansion that you can find because it's yours, baby. Whatever you want. You're going to have a beautiful mansion in Seattle that you could just teleport to whenever you want. Uh, fantastic. Or, you know what? Maybe you aren't, you don't want to teleport and you want to fly there because you're a pilot. So if you want to just like pick yourself up and get there on your own time, go ahead and take care of it that way. My dream. Uh, fantastic. Um, I am very excited for your ability. I mean, I should probably save this for last, but I'm not going to because I'm too excited about it. But yes, you absolutely can jump into Thor Ragnarok. Yes! I mean, that's like a big win. That's I couldn't sit on it. One of the Could biggest wins. Could not sit wins. on it for a moment longer. Ooh! And as if that weren't enough, <laughs> you also have your live soundtrack by the Muppets. Now, that is a joyful fucking existence. That is a joyful and it makes yet sense. sincere. Doesn't mean there can't be some heartache and some truth, some hard truth in there. The Muppets have their they got it. They've got they're down for that as well. But a lot of silliness, a lot of joy, uh, a lot of uh, soft in the middle chocolate chips are going to be consumed while all of these heavenly things are happening. Yes. Could not be more excited for you about that. Uh, also want to congratulate you on your ability to zing on into the past and uh, spend some time with Keith Haring as he is working on a mural. Yes. Um, 
ostensibly could be a good Muppet song that comes out of that. I'd be very excited to see what that would be. There would be. He was a little Muppety. Right? I don't think yeah. he would mind me saying that I about think, him. I think, yeah. I think that's a great, I think that's a great uh, combination there. There's a lot of just really great combinations going on here. Uh, speaking of great combinations, I am loving this uh, one-two punch of uh, your friendship with Robin from Stranger Things uh-huh. and your uh, smoky hot romance with the, and you are going to be twin boyfriends and you know that's a thing. You and Steve Rogers in Infinity Wars. You're gonna grow out that winter beard. Yes. I feel like you're be like twin boyfriend alert. Twin yes. boyfriend alert. Oh, and we're gonna fabulous. Be so cute, trying to do our best for others. Fabulous. What a treat. Well, and also, yeah. I mean, the subtext of that too, or the like undercurrent. There was a point. <laughs> also in therapy, but this was cosine, so I feel good sharing it. Where I was like, <laughs> what I just want to do is appropriate straight boy culture because nothing means anything and I want to take everything they love and make it mine because then it's going to be gay and what can they do about it? And yes. my doctor was like, I think that sounds great. And I was like, perfect. Then this is medically prescribed. And they'd be so bummed that I was gay and up Captain America. <laughs> Just the toxic ones. You know who you are. Oh, Not you know who you are. But yeah. yeah. Oh my God! That's oh, what very a win! Satisfying. What a win! Wait. Look at that mesh. Oh, all right, bud. This has been such a pleasure. I've been with you for almost two hours. I, I know, knew it was wow. gonna be a long, as I like to call it, a long bonger, uh, and oh. worth every second. Um, <laughs> that's I, every, my next anything tattoo. that's long. Yeah, sometimes I'll like if I have a pair of pants that are neither shorts nor pants, I call them my long bongers. Um, but it's good for it's a it's a real like catch all. You could use that uh, mm-hmm. whenever you want. Um, thank so you thank you, permission. thank you for doing this, and you're so welcome. It's co-signed. This is also therapy, so it's medically prescribed for you yes, to call yes, these yes, long yes. bongers. <laughs> And everyone, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I have a very strong feeling that you did. Appreciate you. Look what happens when you love the podcast and then you become friends with a person and then they are like one of the best guests you've ever had. So Uh that is uh, what a treat. And if you don't think so, please don't tell me. And if you don't think so, keep it to yourself. All right, everyone. I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. I don't know why I was so melancholy at the end. I guess because this is over. But bye, everyone. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember when we could save kittens from trees or lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees. Maybe we should. Someplace new and build time machines to go and get us back. Maximumfun.org Comedy and Culture Artist Owned Audience supported.